Victoria, would you come and would you bring the word? And I want to pray. Yeah, give her a warm hand. I want to pray for her and her husband, Andre, as she comes. This is, she is a powerful preacher. You're in for a treat. Lord Jesus, would you bless Victoria? Would you bless Andre? Father, your hand is so clearly on them. And Lord, I pray that you would go before and behind, that you would pave the road ahead, that you would bless their ministry, that you would bless all that they do, that you would cause your face to shine upon this amazing couple. And as she opens up our Advent series, Lord Jesus, would you teach us the way of joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Can I nick that table as well? Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Can I say just a huge thank you? It is such a blessing to be with you guys here, and uh, it's been such a gift to be in Wilmington. We missed the first snowstorm of the year in Connecticut, so hurrah. I used to be in a church in London where we did this every single Sunday, and I was in charge of setup. So can I just say, as somebody who knows what it's like to set up a church every week, thank you. And, and to go on what... To go on what Pastor Michael just said, we do this, don't we, for others. We do this that the kingdom of God will be advanced here in Wilmington. We do this that the gospel will be shared out there through us as we live filled with the spirit of God, longing to share him with those around us. So thank you for your service. And thank you also, I want to express as the oldest child of the Calver family, um, a big thank you for your love and prayers, for my dad especially. And... Um, it took some persuasion to keep him in bed this morning. But um, please do keep praying for him and uh, for my mom. And thank you for your love and support for them. It is such a gift to be up in Connecticut knowing that there are people that love them around them down here. So thank you to you for that. We, I'm excited. We are going to... Oh, I have to give one more thank you and one more greeting. Um, the pastors, elders, and congregations of One at Hill Community Church up in Connecticut send their love. I love the fact we're one body in Christ, aren't we? Brothers and sisters, you lot are down here in the warm. Enjoy it. We're up in the freezing cold. Pray for us. <laughs> but they're praying for us this morning, and it was beautiful to be in the prayer time this morning. We prayed for them. That's what it is to be family, isn't it? So, so. It is a gift. We are going to start a brand new sermon series today. Advent's beginning, that preparation towards Christmas. And through this Advent series, we're going to work our way through the book of... Now, I am going to get myself into serious trouble this morning. Because is it Isaiah or is it Isaiah? Isaiah. Right? So if I say Isaiah, I'm in trouble with my mother for, div for, for destroying my English heritage. And if I say Isaiah, you will actually know what I'm talking about. So whichever comes out, we are working our way through the book of Isaiah. And Pastor Michael is going to begin at the beginning next week. But just to be interesting, we're going to start in the middle. So we're going to turn ourselves to Isaiah chapter 35. If you have a Bible with you, can I encourage you to open it? 
Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, then you get to Isaiah. If you get to Jeremiah, you've gone too far. We're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 35, and we're going to look at the whole chapter. But before we begin, I just want to give you a little bit of background. See, what is going on is we've had King David. Remember King David? We've had King David. We've got King Solomon. And then, as happens in, the, in some families, you get a big division. And so the 12 tribes of Israel get divided and they go into one camp of 10 and one camp of two. The camp of 10 are known as the northern kingdom. They're known as Israel. The camp of two are known as the southern kingdom. And they're known as Judah. In fact, if you look at a map and you take the top of the Dead Sea and you draw a line, everything north, including the Sea of Galilee, is Israel. That's the northern kingdom. Everything Jerusalem and below, basically, is the southern kingdom, and that is Judah. Isaiah writes to the southern kingdom. Isaiah writes to Judah, and he writes to four different kings. And he's writing about 700 years before the coming of Jesus. And so that is your context. And the issue that Isaiah presses into time and time again is who do you trust Will you trust in God or will you trust in the surrounding nations? Will you put your faith in the one that that brought you out of Egypt or will you turn to Egypt and say, Egypt, we need your help. Come rescue us. Who do you trust? And Isaiah says time and time again, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. And then we get even King Ahaz who takes the treasures from the temple, and he carts them off to Assyria because he says, actually, (laughs) they have weapons. I'm going to put my trust in the one who's the most powerful around here, the one who has the weapons. I'm going with him. And Isaiah's heart breaks. He says, no, we're to trust in the Lord. That is the context for the passage that we're going to look at. One more thing to give you on context This passage is written to a people who are under pressure. They're feeling rather bullied. They've got some nations, so Israel actually, and uh, is is pressuring them on one side. And Assyria is, is the ones that they then turn to reach out to say, come help us. And so what we have at this moment for Judah is a people under pressure. They're feeling squeezed by the powerful on all sides. And they are a people for whom Isaiah says, you're going to go into exile because you haven't followed the Lord. But they haven't got to exile yet. So there are people in the middle, all right? And so as we read about the desert, it's just worth having this in the back of your mind. You're writing to a people who feel like they're in a desert, right? It's not a good place. They're under pressure. It's difficult. But we're also talking about a people who will eventually be separated from their homeland by a desert. So the Arabian desert is going to be between them when they're in Babylon and Jerusalem. And so isn't it beautiful how Isaiah then speaks of what God can do with those desert places? We're looking this day at this subject of joy The truth is that many of us find ourselves in in moments and seasons that feel like deserts, don't we? 
And, and Christmas is an interesting time. For some of you, it is a really joyful time. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, what a gift. For others, the Christmas season is it's just a very painful season. But this morning, my prayer is that we might turn our eyes to the one who brings joy. The one who promises as one of the fruits of his spirit is joy. Joy, not happiness, not like that fleeting emotion, but a deep sense of his presence and his peace and of thankfulness in who he is, a joy that is not defined by where we find ourselves, but it is defined by in whom we trust. That is what we want to look at this morning. So I'm going to encourage us. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 35. I'm going to read the whole passage. I'm going to read it in the NIV, but whatever you have in front of you, let's turn to the word of God this morning. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. I love this. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. It's what Christmas celebrates, isn't it? The God who comes, Emmanuel. And then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that it is your word, that you want to speak to our hearts this morning. And so, Lord, we just want to say, would you pour out your Holy Spirit in this place? Where we need to be convicted of, of sin, would you do that? Where we need to be reminded of who you are, would you do that? Would you move in this place for the glory of your name? Lord, I believe we're here because we wanna hear from you. I pray that, that nothing I say or do would stop, could be a stumbling to that. Lord, that um, together as a community, we might hear from you this morning, that you might touch our hearts and lead us on, that you might be glorified in this place. For Lord, we long to see you touch this area 
with your love, your message, and your hope. And we know that for some incredible reason, you do that so often through us. And so, Lord, would you teach us this morning? But we ask it in the powerful and holy name of Jesus. Amen. So there are three things I want to pull from this passage this morning. I know I'm not my father. He always does four. But we're going to look at three. And the first one is this. We're going to look at the promise of joy. You see that in the beginning of Isaiah 35, verses 1 to 7. It starts with joy. Yeah, this desert, this wilderness, this barren land, suddenly water, suddenly flowers. Suddenly hope returns. Judah had lived, was living in under pressure. This is a land that was missing it. The king is making decisions and aligning himself with those who are powerful around rather than aligning himself with the Lord. They're making mistakes. They're doing things wrong. They are sinful. And yet we see in this passage time and time again, over 20 times, it says, will, that God will, something is going to happen. It is coming. It's not that it is happening now, but there is a promise of something future. There is a promise of restoration. There is a promise of hope. And the beautiful thing is we worship a God who can. If you're in a season that feels very difficult, if you're in your own wilderness at this moment, that doesn't mean God cannot. It just means it is coming. We trust in a God who can. And some of what he does will be happen here in this lifetime and some of it is gonna be ahead, isn't it? But we trust in a God who can heal, can restore, can bring hope in the barren lands. And the promise of Isaiah to a people who are messing up and getting it wrong is that there is a God who can and he will. There is hope. There is joy. And a joy that comes from trust. As Pastor Michael said a number of times, this is about relationship, isn't it? And it's all well and good to say, I'm a Christian, that's about having a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's lovely. But do you know the God in whom you worship? Do you know him as a God who can? Even if all you can see is sand and heat and struggle, do you know that you trust in a God who is able, who loves you? Who knows that you're a sinner? I hate to say that, but I'm a sinner too, right? We've messed up. We've got it wrong. We know that. And yet Christmas is about celebrating a God who sent his son out of deep, deep love for you and for me. And actually not just deep love for us, but deep love for those out there who have no idea. Deep love for your neighbor who drives you up the wall. Could they not realize how irritating they are? He loves them deeply. He loves you deeply. And so as we prepare for this Christmas season to know that there is a promise of joy, 
A joy in the baby that will be born in the manger, but joy in that baby who becomes man, who will die and rise again. The joy in the one who's coming again. And my question to you this Christmas is, do you know this God? And you might sit there and say, well, I do in part. Brilliant. Let's go on a journey together of learning who he is, of growing in our understanding, of recognizing that he is good and kind and loving and forgiving and present. And he longs to do those things for each and every one of us. It's one of the gifts of being community, isn't it? Because when one is down, another can say, hey, not with cliches, not with niceties, but with hope that is rooted in the word of God because we know who he is. And we're walking together towards him. Second thing is there's a journey to joy. We see that in Isaiah 35, verses 8 to 10. And we see this highway, this way of holiness, this way towards a holy God. That way of holiness is not called that because those of us who walk on it feel that we have everything sorted and we're perfect. Right? It is a way of holiness because we have been made holy because of Christ's death and resurrection. Amen? And so we know that we're a sinful people, but it's because we trust in a holy God that if we've surrendered to him, we have been made holy. I know we are being made holy. There's a process of being changed, isn't there? And one day we will be fully holy when we see him face to face. But this way that we can walk on, is we can walk on it not because of us, but because of him. And if you are sitting in this room and you, you wear the label of a Christian, you turn up at church, you're here. Well done. It's not about brownie points. It's about knowing the God that made you. And actually, if we come to him and we say, God, I'm a sinner, I've messed up, I've got it wrong, I've failed. I have trusted in everything else and not in you. But God, I, I want that relationship that Pastor Michael keeps talking about. I wanna know who you are. If we come to him and we say, I wanna put my trust in you. I wanna give you my life. I can't do this in my own strength. Would you fill me with your spirit? But I wanna follow after you. If we do that, we're invited into this way of holiness because he has already said, yes, I've forgiven, I've cleansed you through the blood of Jesus. Come, get to know me more deeply. And the other thing to note about this way of holiness is we don't build it through our activities and our actions. Now, I know as Christians we say we're saved by faith, but the truth is many of us live by works, even if we don't believe that gets us to heaven, yeah? And we can get so caught up in to-dos, or is that just me? And the truth is that way of holiness is not built by us. It's not legalism. It's not I have to read my Bible and pray and go to church and somehow I will be doing all that needs to be done that God will suddenly approve of me. No, he approves of you because you trust in his son, Jesus. But he is inviting you to know him more deeply. He's inviting you onto that way of being changed. Now, I know that there are some in the room who are changed. I don't like change. 
you want to stay with the way you are? Truly? Deeply? Or do you want to know more peace? You want to know joy, the depths of your being, even if the circumstances don't match it. Do you want to know hope? Well, those things are discovered on the way of holiness, aren't they? I love those fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit of God brings love and joy and peace and patience. Those are things that God works in us as we walk towards him, the one who is holy, as we start to take steps on that path of holiness, as we look to him. And so who can go on this way? Well, sinners, it says in the passage, sinners can't travel on it. That's good, isn't it? Because we've been made saints because of Jesus if we put our trust in him. And if you're sitting here today and you have not done that, you know that you're a sinner and you want something. There's something stirring in your spirit. It's simply saying, Lord, I give you my life. And if you want to make that kind of step, I encourage you to speak to Pastor Michael because we should never do that journey by ourselves. And so I'd love to talk with you and encourage you and support you on that journey. So those who can walk on this path are those who know they have been redeemed and rescued. You see those words in this passage. Those who have been declared holy by a holy God. That's all of us who put our trust in him. The second, group, the, the, the second aspect comes in verse 8. And it's a little challenging because there are many ways you can translate this. Some, scholars trans, some um, Bible translations translate it like the NIV that says this, wicked fools will not go about on it. That's one way to translate it. If you take fools as wicked then they can't go about on it, right? Because it's only for those who've been made saints. But uh, other translations, including the King James Version, they take fools as those who maybe aren't so intellectual or maybe don't have the same level of common sense. In fact, the Living Bible puts it this way, and I really like it. It says this, And a main road will go through the once deserted land. It will be named the Holy Highway. No evil-hearted men may walk upon it. God will walk there with you. Even the most stupid cannot miss the way. <laughs> so there's two ways to look at this verse. Either if you're wicked, you're not going to go on it. Or if you struggle with directions, have a problem with common sense, a little too intelligent to actually know what to do in the day to day, you're not going to miss the way. There's hope for all of us, isn't there? And I love that. This highway, if you've put your trust in a holy God, you're declared a saint. Doesn't matter how much intellectual ability you have, you're never going to miss it because he's going to lead you on it. And the third thing of who this way is for is you will be safe on it. You see that in verse 9, no lion will get you, no robber will take you away, nothing can steal that joy of knowing him because he will lead you on. I have um, been unemployed a couple of times in my life. The first time I was unemployed, I had um, been serving the Lord overseas. In fact, I've been working with people living with HIV and AIDS in Africa, and I had come back to England. I knew I needed to come home. And so I came back to England, didn't realize there wasn't a family home anymore. I ended up staying with relatives, and then I found a place to live, and I got a short-term job. 
And the truth is, the bottom fell out of my world. And I had a meal with my brother, and I did what no sister should ever do with their brother. I wept from the beginning of the meal to the end of the meal. And my brother sat there, and I told him, I said, you know, I don't understand. I'd served God overseas. I'd done everything I thought I should do. And now I'm back here in England and nobody wants me. I can't get a job. My world is a disaster. I don't know what to do. And my brother Gavin, he leaned across the table and he said, you know what? How you respond now will affect who you become. The truth is, I didn't realize I had any choice in the matter. I thought my world had fallen apart and I just like went with it. And here was my brother saying, actually, I have a choice in how I handle this moment. I have a choice in how I respond in this day. And it shook me a year or so later. I found myself in exactly the same position. Actually worse, I was unemployed a second time. I was living in a house with girls. I had rent to pay. I was actually unemployed for a couple of months and uh, doing odd jobs and all kinds of things. And I am in the same moment. But I remember the words of my brother, how I respond will affect who I become. And so I would wake up each morning and say, God, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I, I want to do this. I want to face this but would you give me something of your joy in this moment? It was an incredibly joyful season. It makes no sense, right? It's Christmas time, you've got presents to buy, I'm unemployed, I don't know what's coming next. And yet, I experienced the presence of God in a deep place within my soul that made no rational sense, but it was a joy that came from Him, not from my circumstances. I believe that's what it can look like to walk the highway of holiness. And sometimes that highway is full of good things. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? We're walking the beach yesterday with the sea and the shells, and it was just amazing. It's like, thank you, Lord. Sometimes a highway feels like that, and sometimes a highway can feel like a really hard place. But there can be joy in the midst of it as we look not to ourselves and our circumstances, but to the joy giver. And that is the key. Where are we looking? Where is our hope placed? And so we have a choice in that. We have a choice to journey in joy. That joy not rooted in how I feel, but in who he is. And how does that work? I believe it works as we surrender, as we come to the Lord and we say, God, I don't want to do this. Oh God, I don't know how to handle this. Oh God, you know my sinful past. I, I can't switch that off. And yet you say you've forgiven me. And so Lord, I wanna walk in that place. It comes as we surrender our deep hurts, our sorrow and our shame, and we invite him to encounter us in the midst of that place. It comes as we say, God, I am sorry. <laughs> that could be very useful words, can't they? God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry that I keep trusting in everything else and everyone else. I'm looking to everyone else to give me an answer and I'm not looking to you. Lord, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that I'm focused on my fear or my failures and I'm not focusing on you. I'm sorry that I'm caught up with my expectations. 
not seeking you and what you want to say into this moment. I don't know about you, but when I start to switch my heart like that, I find so often it's the thankfulness that bubbles up. Wow, God. You can bring joy in this desert, and I had no idea. Oh, God, I declare that you are good. I can't see it at the moment, but you are good. Oh, God, thank you for setting me free from that past. I want to live in that place. I declare that you have set me free. Thank you for that. And as we worship and as we praise, and for those of us who sing, what a gift, right? Sometimes I think we have to do a bit more singing. (laughs) Because we're declaring over ourselves. Maybe that you're not a singer, I'm not particularly. Well, put on some worship music. Start to refocus your heart. Pick up the word of God. Read from the Psalms. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And that takes us on a journey, doesn't it, of wanting to then live in line with who he is. To live and to listen, to obey, to seek after him. See, we're called to walk a walk of faith on the highway of holiness. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And I don't know about you, but I can get so distracted with what I see that I miss (laughs) the heart of faith, which is saying, you are able, God. You can bring streams in the desert. You can heal the lame. You can bring sight to the blind. I know you can. I don't understand this moment, but I'm putting my trust in you, knowing that you are good. And so I want to head towards a holy God. I want to seek after you. And the third thing I wanted to share is this. There is a crown of joy. I love that. Verse 10. Verse 10, Isaiah 35, verse 10 says, they will enter Zion or they'll enter Jerusalem with singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. See, at this moment, the people of God and the joy of God come together. And we may read this and we're saying, right, this is 700 years before the birth of Jesus. What is he talking about? And you want to get into a debate? Go read the scholars because they've got lots of different suggestions. (laughs) Is it that this happened? We know the people of, of Judah got back to Jerusalem. So was it fulfilled in their return? In part. We know that Jesus came, that we might actually be able to step into a relationship with God. Is it fulfilled with the coming of Christ that gladness and sorrow will flee away and there will be joy? in part, but we still live in a fallen world, don't we? We still live in a world where there is pain and suffering and struggle and difficulty, as well as blessings, as well as temporary joy. However, one day, either because he comes back first or we die and go to be with him, one day we're going to see him face to face. One day we're going to be crowned with joy, not a temporary joy, but a permanent joy because we're going to be with the joy giver face to face for the rest of our life, well, for eternity. And so we live, yes, in that tension that Pastor Michael spoke about last week of the already and the not yet. We live in that interim between Jesus' first coming and his final coming. 
But the truth is, as the people of God, in the midst of our lives, we can look ahead and say, there is a crown of joy. That crown of joy comes from the joy giver. The Lord Almighty, I'm looking to him. And I'm going to walk towards him in joy that he has promised for me and for you. In March 2018, um, I went to some meetings. I was, had meetings in Connecticut one day. I had meetings in Massachusetts the next day. And the third day, I was supposed to be in New Hampshire. Now, for any of you that know the Northeast, I think you get them here, don't you, Nor'easters? Yeah, they're fun, aren't they? So, I'm a Brit. What do I know about Nor'easters? The truth is, not very much. So, I'm at these meetings in uh, Massachusetts, and the word comes that a big Nor'easter is sweeping its way through the entire Northeast, and particularly New England. So I called my husband because the meetings got cancelled in New Hampshire. So I I called my husband because he's a sensible one in the family. And I said, my meetings got cancelled in New Hampshire. I'm thinking about coming home. What do you think? He said, absolutely, come home. All right. The weather's not too bad where you are. No, the weather's not too bad. It's fine. Come home. It's beautiful. I get in my car and I start driving. And I drive to Massachusetts and you wouldn't think the weathermen knew what they were talking about. There was not an issue. Until I get to the border of Connecticut. And truthfully, it felt like Narnia. I entered Narnia as I crossed the state line. Everything went white. The trees were laden with snow. It's coming down thick and fast. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Well, this is good, isn't it? So I'm driving away, and it's it's all good. In fact, it was this incredible experience of the peace and presence of God. And I'm I'm driving through Connecticut, conditions that I was not designed to drive in. But I was there. And then the darkness started to descend. And still I kept driving. In fact, I talked again to Andre, and he's like, no, 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 it's fine. Keep coming. It's okay. So I'm driving in my car, thick snow floating around, complete darkness. In fact, I knew I should be scared out of my brain, but I can't explain to you the incredible peace. I really felt like the presence of the Lord was in that car with me. And I'm driving along and I had a moment where it was so dark that I had no idea whether the road was going straight or if the road was turning. I couldn't see a thing. All I got in my headlights was swirling snow. I did not know what was ahead. And I'm sitting in my car and said, Lord, I don't know if I should stop and wait this out or if I should keep going. And as I prayed that prayer, a snowplow came in the distance and all I could see were these little flashes of light. I'm like, well, at least I know which way the road is going. And and then later on, I'm driving along and I suddenly notice my gas... um, marker is quite low and I'm like hmm Lord (laughs) is it safer for me to stay on the road or should I come off and I'm coming up to an exit at that moment as I prayed that prayer my gaslight came on I'm like okay I'm coming off then and and then another moment I actually span out hurrah on 84 which is not a good plan 
But there was something about knowing the presence of God in the midst of this journey. It was hair-raising. Everything in me didn't know what to do or how to handle it, but I knew that God was with me in a very deep and very profound way, and I knew he'd take me home. And as I look back on that night, I have a picture of trust. And for me, trust looks like a pitch dark sky, swirling snow in my headlights, and a tiny piece of guardrail. All that I could see with my headlights, that's what trust looks like. And yet I knew joy. Not that excited, happy joy, but that deep sense that the Lord was there, the Lord was with, and the Lord knew what he was doing. He knows the day and the hour for each and every one of us. We don't have to live in fear. We just have to live in trust. Looking at that tiny piece of guardrail, believing that he is gonna lead us home, putting our hope in him. This Christmas, if you wanna know joy, do you wanna know joy? then joy comes as we focus our hearts and our attentions on the only one that can give joy, the joy giver, the, the one that promises to walk with us in the good and the bad, the one that promises that he will never leave us nor abandon us, the one who is Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of the storms and in the midst of the sunshine the one who will lead you home. This Christmas, may we be a people that orient our hearts away from all the other junk and lift them to Him. May we be a people that don't get so caught up in the world's definition of joy that we miss the true joy that comes in the midst of any storm. May we be a people that take that way of holiness, heading towards the joy giver, that one day we might be crowned with his joy. May God bless you this Christmas season. May he be ever more real to you. And may the God of joy lead you on. For we ask it in his holy name, amen.